the best recommendations are always capture things and keep going. Remind them that the process will take care of a lot of their concerns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Design Huddle. We have another awesome episode. You have myself, uh, Ryan, and Mustafa here to talk about everything design. Uh, today we're going to focus on kind of two parts that are very much interconnected. The first is design sprints and then UX workshops. What are they? Why do they add value? And like some tips if you were going to run them, how to make them the most as effective as possible. But before we do that, what is it? 2018. That was, I feel like that was like the peak year of design sprints. They've changed a lot. Now people do virtual design sprints, but I will say I am personally a big fan of design sprints. I've been a, a facilitator. I've participated in them. Um, I really feel the other benefit of these that is that you feel very energized after working with a cross-functional group. Um, and you leave kind of motivated to build something great. Um, that's kind of my number one reason why I like it. But what's your take? I mean, you've been doing design sprints forever, Mustafa. What do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, in in the beginning, I was really excited about them. Then I got a bit um, skeptical. I think it's because it's like any UX workshop that you do, like you always want to see what the outcomes are. I mean, it's really exciting on the day, but I think some of the first ones I did, nothing came about them. Um, but then like, you know, I, in the recent years, like I've had some really good successes with like, but before we even go into them, like, how about we explain what a design sprint is? Ah, uh, I guess no. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, I can give a quick, I'll give you like the textbook definition and then you can fill in the gaps, but the design sprint, um, the sprint is actually a five day process for answering critical business questions through design and prototyping and testing ideas with actual end users. Uh, this was originally developed by Google Ventures, and really, it's the the strategy was like let's create a greatest hit for business strategy, innovation, behavior science, design thinking, um, and it's all kind of packaged into this experience where you kind of go through um, the find the idea that you're going to focus on, you build it, you launch it, you learn, and then you kind of continue to iterate. Um, and then, if I had to map out the days, correct me if any of this is off, but um, it's usually Monday through Friday. So the team has, it's really important that you block off the whole week. Um, uh, people are, that's like, like it's like a laptops down. Everyone's focused on this problem. So that's the biggest thing is making sure you have the time and space to commit to this. So on Monday, you typically map out the problem and pick the important place to focus. So honing in the scope is kind of the key on the first day. On the second day, you'll sketch. So you really, this is kind of the ideation phase where you're coming up with different concepts. Um, and you're, you know, creating solutions to the potential problem on Wednesday is really the decision makers kind of day. That's all I think about it, where you're going to turn your ideas into hypotheses and really press and make key decisions on Thursday. You're actually picking an idea, maybe two, but most of the time you're really anchoring on one idea. You hammer out a high fidelity prototype. So it looks and feels like the experience you're trying to test. 
And then on Friday, you're bringing in live end users, customers, and everyone kind of watches these real time, um, like, you know, uh, feedback UXR sessions. Um, that's what I remember. Um, I think that there's a ton of companies that have gone through it. And then as we go through this, like one resource I really want to call out is uh, sprintstories.com. It has just like a bunch of examples of companies that have gone through this. Um, there's also a book um, on this as well. I forget what the name of it is. I think it's just called is it this one, the blue Sprint. one, Sprint. Yeah, I think it's just called Sprint. Oh, there it is. Uh, by Jake Knapp, who's um, one of the pioneers of the design sprint methodology. Yeah, so design sprints are pretty good in that, like these UX workshops where the goal is to figure out what a solution should be and testing it have existed forever. Um, I think IDO is probably one of the biggest pioneers of like coming up with the small techniques because it's like when you're working in a, well, when we used to work in a traditional nine to five office, you have to come up with ideas and sometimes you get like design block or writer's block or whatever the equivalents may be. Um, and the design sprint was a way to just, all right, let's go for these activities and like these little tasks. So on the first day, you'll be mapping out a user journey, for example, like, or looking at the research. So everyone who attends a design sprint will do like a lightning talk about what they think the problem is. So um, let's just say you're trying to design, you want to design an app that's like Uber for coffee. That's the example I always give. I think they even exist now. Um, I did a, <laughs> they have one I created, for pizza. They have a Uber just for pizza called Slice. It's hilarious. Well, there's one. There's well in Germany. There's, there's a company called Pizza.de, which is just basically for all different pizzas. Um, so yeah, uh, the local coffee shops. They I think they they partnered up. But the idea is, imagine if you're trying to do that delivery service, but just solely for coffee. Um, and so, design sprint will help you focus on what is the main user journey. So you, the first thing is you define the design brief, whatever that may be. You know. Uh, the MVP, if you will, or, you know, the minimum viable product. And then you might look at all of the problem spaces. So a design sprint is attended by lots of different people. Like, don't let the name fool you into thinking that it's just designers. It should be engineers, marketers, everyone. Maybe maximum, I think the sweet spot is about seven to eight people in a typical design sprint from the different disciplines. Um, and then giving them an opportunity to do like a line to talk about what they think about the problem space. Like, you know, from a technical perspective, from a marketing perspective, from a UX perspective. Uh, and then once you... And as you're doing it, this technique, which I think was developed by IDO, is called How Might Weeze. And it's this yeah. very weird way of taking notes where you, on a sticky piece of paper, and if you've ever seen any UX designer's portfolio, there's always the classic sticky note. Um, what you do is you write How Might We, which is HWM. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, I always speak there. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I have to remember how you say that. That is how you spell how, the acronym. And it's like, How Might We, you know, uh, encourage users to use this app or how might we uh, get satellite information that shows where the user is and where the coffee vendor is or like the coffee delivery process. Uh, you want to try and keep it broad enough as like as that's the focus point of the design sprint. So that's basically where the brief it starts fermenting. And then from those, people share them uh, and then you start getting an idea. People vote on the how might we, so, which is basically defining the problem that you're trying to tackle as in the user journey. Then you start mapping out that user journey, what are the touch points? Um, it's not like a sort of flow, like a, of an app or a website. It's actually the, the typical journey. Person leaves their house. They open up their phone. They order the coffee. They go to the bus stop. The coffee comes to the bus stop. They get on the bus. Like, and you're trying to think out what would be the typical journeys and also the touch points for the others. So an order has come through. Um, it, a delivery driver picks it up. And then, you know, you're just basically mapping out the entire thing, which is what is common in service design where they're not looking at 
the specifics of an app. They're looking at the actual full journey. Yep. Uh, or uh, I think Brendan Kearns used to talk about the scenario of design. Um, so they, <clears throat> so then, and so the first day is usually about that. I just I like to add, although it's typically five days, you can do it less. And if the, the, the depending on the size of the problem, if it's small enough, you could possibly do it in three days. I think that's the shortest I've ever done. Yeah, I, I've um, seen the trend actually. Five days is a lot of resource commitment. Um, yeah, for, so for, for a startup, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If it's a, if it's a startup and larger organizations, I've really seen it trend towards the four and the three is tough, but it, it is possible if the scope of the problem is smaller. So you hit on a ton of like great things there. One thing I want to talk about on the how might we's, one of my favorite examples is, uh, I think it's in the sprint book, uh, is Blue Bottle Coffee. So yeah, you know, yeah. coffee brand, they wanted to do a site, uh, like a, basically a website redesign or launch their website. And the core, how might we was like, how might we was, how might we um, create an online experience that like emulates the in-store experience? So the whole idea yeah. was to make a digital version of like what the in-person experience looks like. Um, and, and that was really important. That was really important for Blue Bowl because yeah. you would go to the store and they'll be like, so what kind of coffee beans you have? So I was like, it's almost like a showroom rather than just like a, a typical Starbucks. So they're actually guiding you for the flavor and it's, that was the 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 feeling they wanted to emulate online which it's such a human strong human interaction how do you do that so and if you definitely... and you can imagine right like coffee's like got to be one of the most saturated markets so standing out is very difficult so their 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 value prop as a business was like we have higher coffee experts these people are deeply passionate about coffee they love coffee they love the beans they love the story they love the origin and that's what they ended up doing with the website. It ended up being a way to tell stories based off, I think you would take like a short quiz based on like things that you like and it would help curate what coffee they would recommend based on your tastes. So it was almost as if that person in store um, was basically helping you pick the perfect coffee. That was this experience that they were building a digital version of. But I love that example because um, they have all the data to justify, like they spent all this time and resources to do it. They launched it and it was like massively successful. So a lot of yeah. this is like, you know, is this actually work? I think it always comes down to like, what were the end results post sprint? You know, you, did you launch the product? Number one, number two is like, are you seeing like whatever metric you care about? Is that improving? Is it getting better? Um, so website redesigns are, I think, or, or launches are a little tougher because the scope can be large, but for them, it was more like, what are we conceptually anchoring like the feel of the website on? And that was the yeah. scope. So. Um, but you can run you can like for each feature that you work on you can run a separate design sprint so that you basically create a whole bunch of focused features that fit the scenario or the user journey you're trying to do a piece of trivia on blue bottle coffee the first ever coffee house um like as in as what we would recognize them today was open in ukraine in lviv and i actually visited it when i was going to conferences and stuff and it was actually called blue bottle and i think that's where they got the name from because it was the first ever oh, that's cool coffee house but it's obviously blue bottle in, in uh ukrainian uh so yeah now that's so visiting that was quite weird he's like oh wait a second i've given talks about a place like this um <laughs> yeah that's like one of my favorite examples and then the other thing i wanted to you know call out before is we're kind of like in the meat of like the day so if we took a step back for a second and it's like the pre the pre sprint work which I just want to quickly touch on. So before you actually jump into a design sprint, I think that if the number one thing pitfall that people make is not getting commitment from all the right people. 
So yeah. if you don't have the calendar block and everyone, all of the key stakeholders like accepted, attended and committed to being there, I really don't think it's the best use of everyone's time because you'll, there'll be holes in like everyone's expertise. And that's like the whole purpose, like Mustafar to kind of hit on this, like the lightning talks is to show your subject matter expertise to the group. And then you can basically really make sure you're understanding like what the user journey looks like end to end. So when I remember, uh, you know, back, um, a while ago, I was very junior and I was a, a customer service rep. It was like one of my first jobs. And basically like I understood the customer's concern because I would interact with them on a daily basis. So in a lot of ways, I was one of the most important stakeholders. Even I was the most junior because I had the most, um, I had the best knowledge set of like what the problem is that we're trying to solve. Um, so that's the other thing that I would mention too, in relation to like how you want to get the right people in the room is making sure that you're not just picking the most senior decision makers, but you're getting people that understand the process like end to end. Like for example, for blue bottle, I would have probably got one or two baristas to attend that because they know yeah. the store experience better than anybody. Um, yeah, I just want to talk about the pre-work a little bit, but any other tips before, if we're just like thinking about setting up a successful design sprint, like anything else you would recommend? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the sprint master's work is quite intense. And so um, it's, you, it requires a lot of planning, like having a decent venue, having whiteboards on, you know, um, not having to leave uh, like within 20 minutes, you know, like having a comfortable space where you can just leave stuff on the wall. Ideally, um, stickies, like uh, Sharpies, all of that sort of thing, lots of paper. Uh, and again, it's the time commitment, because the thing is, if you stop halfway through, like it, you lose momentum and that's, I've seen that happen in a design sprint as well. You don't really want that to do happen. Um, usually it's like if people are not focused or they're not convinced, but one of the arguments for a design sprint is to getting other functions of a business to empathize, empathize with the design process, because a lot of times it feels like a black box. And so if you include people who are not typically used to designing stuff involved in that, um, they really appreciate the function of design as a thing and they see the tangible activities that you do and they get more involved in it. It just, even just if the thing you create isn't necessarily great or the outcome isn't per perfect solely as a team building exercise, I think it's really, really fantastic. <laughs> and I've seen the, 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 the happiness on people's faces when you do those things. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally, totally agree. Why did that make you laugh, Ryan? Because <laughs> was I sounding too genuine there? <laughs> no, I, I just, I've been in sprints and like the, everything you're getting at really like the facilitator of the sprint, the energy and like the success, like is, there's a lot on them. So like people that yeah, are really prepared, but like, I just keep thinking of different sprint, like facilitators that I've been with and, um, like their energy is like infectious. So if they're excited yeah, about yeah. the problem, because there's lulls, right? Like this is a long process. Like there is lulls of like, you know, caffeine and conversations and a lot of like, you know, interactions and debate. So it can be very mentally draining, especially by the fourth, fourth day, I think is like the toughest to get through. The fifth is exciting because you're typically energized by seeing the actual product being tested. Um, but no, no I was just laughing just because like, I just keep thinking of, the various versions I've been in and like some have been more successful than others. So um, one thing which I found that was really, cause again, to the thing that usually picks people up is actually the user testing. Cause then you have to be on your P's and Q's like someone's looking. So, um, there was a design 
workshop um, course that I went on from the Luma Institute. And they, it's, they, it's like, if you think about these workshops, a collection of activities that you do to help you get to an endpoint. So whether it's doing user journey mapping, um, user flows, uh, prototypes, uh, there's a few other things like um, boo up note taking. So once you've absorbed everybody's like, how might we, and you're thinking, okay, what is, if I'm going to start the sketching phase of, of something, how do I condense that down? Now, sometimes when you're designing stuff, it can be really hard to just start designing blind. Um, so uh, boot up note taking, I found really effective where you just write one liners. It's like Uber, but for coffee, it's like um, Tinder, but for truck drivers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, you basically try to break it down into a simple word or maybe like it's it's an animating button that does blur, like well, depending on what you're trying to create. And when you start writing those and taking eight minutes to write down as many of these ideas down, the next activity when you're actually sketching out, and really I mean sketching out, which they call um, crazy eights, where you take a sheet of A4 paper or standard printer paper, uh, and you fold it twice, and then within that square you're just drawing the basic sketch based on the boot up note taking, and that just really frees you up to just just do something. I remember I went to a workshop with um, Stefan Sagmeister, who's like the famous graphic designer who did stuff for like the Rolling Stones and whatnot, and he said like you just have to make a decision, give yourself 10 minutes and that's it. Because otherwise, you know, if you give yourself an hour, you say, I'm going to make coffee, go check email. And you just keep delaying it because of that fear of making, committing to a decision. I think and so those two techniques I found really, really useful. And so what Luma does is they have all these other activities that you can do, which I went on workshop, which you can pick and choose, like depending on the thing, which I really found was really useful. It's quite expensive, of course, but yeah. That's awesome. Please, right. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, so there's a few few things there. The so when you do the crazy eights, it's typically on the second day, right? So if the first day is just like a knowledge dump of like everybody's background expertise, figuring out what problem you're notes, solve. documenting stuff, notes documenting, you. it's tough. It's a lot of listening to all the perspectives, so you have as much empathy for the end user that you're designing for. Um, so the second day, the crazy eights really is kind of like the. Uh, I don't know, the main activity of the day. So one thing that I always have found is people say they shy away from participating because I'm not a good designer. How do you, how do you encourage them to participate? Like, what do you do to someone that's like, this is somebody that always sprint facilitators have to watch out for is kind of like the, the negative person, the cynical person that's like not willing to participate, but their opinion matters and you want to pull them in and encourage them to. <laughs> cynical person that's usually a synonym for the Brit the most british in the room <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no i mean one of the feedback is i can't draw because when you're asking people to come yep. up with sketches and drawing and there's a a ted talk about teaching people to draw where got an illustrator just basically gets the whole audience to follow him along and they all start laughing because they can all draw exactly what he draws when he just you take it's, it's, it's a step by step but we say like if you can draw a circle, square, or triangle, then you can draw. Um, and that really does, you know, help give people confidence. And yeah, again, it's like you're just trying to get an idea across. So even if you do a basic mobile illustration, like, you know, just a square, and you write notes in it, that's sufficient to just start the concept. And then you say, okay, how would you? Yeah, the notes, adding notes to like supplement the design even though you only have like a minute, you know, if you're doing an eight minute crazy eight, one minute per block, 
it goes so quick, especially if you've never done it before. Like, but yeah. one or two words to kind of like give somebody else the visual cues to understand what's going on. That's such a good tip. Yeah. And then what, after that, you share it with everyone. People give comments, uh, maybe vote on stuff like they do dot voting. So the little sticky dots. Uh, and then once you hear everyone else, thinks, okay, again, it's like now you're refining. So there's this concept that was developed by the, um, the British Council, uh, which was like a, a, a lobbying group in the UK for design for the government. And they come up with this idea of the double diamond. So it's like yeah. where in the first day you're, you're um, diverging, coming up with all these different concepts, and then you slowly start converging on the final thing. And so you're soaking up all the information the first day, the second day you're trying to start diverge, but you're still listening to people. So the second round of crazy eights you might do after you've heard everyone is again, it's like condensing down to the final concept. Uh, and then after that, you might do take one idea where you'll say, okay, right now I'm going to make this a bit more comprehensive. And that's when the whole team starts diverging. Okay. Uh, sorry, converging on a singular idea. So on the Wednesday, that's all the, the, the third day, rather, that's what you're basically doing, converging on the one or two concepts that you want to test. Now, what I did with a design sprint in Berlin with some, uh, delivery, a delivery food delivery company was I introduced something which is not typically done in design sprints. Uh, but I, the Luma Institute did it, and I really liked it when they did it, and that's what they call paper prototyping. And I found that was amazing for lifting people's energy up again. So what we did is a paper prototype is, imagine literally you're drawing paper, like uh, yep. the, the, a very basic interface on paper with a Sharpie, and then one person pretends to be the computer, so it's the entire user flow journey. One person is the researcher who's asking or speaking to the person and then you set a person down to actually go through the steps so they're physically pressing the piece of paper as if it's a button whatever cool. the square is so it's like and then you move fidelity of a prototype as you can get absolutely if you look go onto youtube you can find that really really great that's ones. awesome so some people some people do it with cardboards where they'll fold things out i've seen the ones where in. you could literally like when it's like a vertical scroll they like pull yeah. the page down like through you you can go to town with that sort of thing yeah um like at the luma thing we were designing uh, a, a wearable device that gave pleasure and pain. And so we made this uh, paper watch. And then when we put it on the user and they said, okay, you press a button and something good happens, we'd stroke their arm. And it was, everyone started laughing because it's quite funny. And then when uh, they designed it, we got like, you know what you stir with coffee, you start jabbing them. Yeah. And just to see like, if I press this, what the interaction is. I mean, it's quite funny and out there. Um, but I found it really useful. Like, in the design sprint that we did in Berlin, a team had chosen a flow that they wanted to go with. When they did the paper prototyping, they realized how badly the, like that flow worked. And so they reiterated. So at that moment, it was like the eureka moment for some of those designers. I think, okay, we all, this, isn't, this is the right thing or this isn't. Because you're breaking down a design flow into its basic things. Uh, and it really makes you realize like how important it is to be like brevity and, and being concise in like a, a user journey. And so I liked introducing it at that point before they go into more high fidelity stuff. So it's almost like it's a sanity check, a pre uh, usability yep. check. And you can do that with people in the room. Like if you've got different teams or someone else from your company is not in the design sprint to run through some of these things, that's sufficient, like two or three of those. And you can iterate the paper prototypes because it's so low fidelity, but like you can do that in 20 minutes. And then from that point, the team is pretty confident that as a user journey, it works. Now let's make something that's believable. 
And so day four is usually the prototyping day because it takes a lot of time to make it something. It takes a ton of time, like especially high fidelity. My favorite version of it is, especially if it's like a web interface, is just using like PowerPoint or Google Slides to That's basically just link call to action buttons, and then you can emulate what the experience would look like. It's it's great. Sometimes you have amazing like rock star, you know, front end developers that can spin stuff up. I don't recommend that though because it could be a sunk cost. And I also think it's like isolating to the rest of the people and it's harder to contribute in, um, in real time. The one thing that we haven't hit on yet, which is arguably the toughest job of the sprint facilitator is keeping everyone on time. It's the most difficult part of running a sprint is that it's a packed agenda, especially if you have people that are very opinionated and bringing a lot of good ideas to the table, it's very easy to run over. So, being respectful of people's time and making sure you're keeping the process moving is very difficult. Um, do you have any tips other than my favorite tip, which the book and sprint talks about all the time is using like an egg timer and having a yeah. physical or, or an actual device in the room, as well as a sound to trigger this, this has ended. We have five minutes and we're moving on to the next task. So I was pretty yeah. big whenever I facilitated sprints is really using a timer like religiously or alarm clock yeah like a physical one that, yep. yeah because again it, it takes away um pressure from the facilitator from being the bad person or the bad guy or whatever because uh, once the alarm goes right we have to move on to the next activity uh, so yeah but then you the thing is as for the facilitator you have to state those things up front look i don't mean to be disrespectful we have to move on we have to cut it off um because our time is finite so if i say story like please forgive me now you know and so, but usually from my experience, people are quite understanding of that. Um, and again, like physical time is quite good for that sort of thing, but you know, and I suppose in terms of prototyping, I've used uh, principle, which is quite good. Principle's awesome. In, 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 in vision, Figma has now got like a prototyping utility that you can use, especially if that's really clever animation. Yep. But again, it, depending on what you're trying to do and the, the, the level for the, if it's a mobile thing, then principle and Figma, I think, can export to mobile. Um, but when working on Chrome, that makes it very difficult because it's hard to prototype a browser because it's it's like an operating system. It's very difficult to do. Uh, but like Figma is pretty cool. Uh, and but like, I think what you said, it's like if you can do a desktop site in slides, then it allows different like you can mimic that takes sh photo, uh, photographs of the paper prototype you create, and that's your blueprint for each slide. And then different people on the team can start mocking stuff up or making like the visuals uh, and making it believable enough. Because there's this chart that I've seen of like prototypes where there's a point where you need to cross to make the prototype believable as a real thing. Otherwise, if it's black and white and gray, people think, oh, this is a broken thing. Right. I don't understand what I'm testing. So you want to make it believable enough, but then there's a point where you're focusing too much of the details of the design visual stuff which will not benefit in what you're trying to actually achieve when it comes to testing this thing so slides are quite good from that because it's obviously a collaborative tool but figma now allows you to to share the same file and have people working but it does require some degree of expertise. yeah those would be my two recommendations it's just slides and uh figma real-time collaboration anything you, anytime you can do that is the best uh, we also like shared notes are going to be huge so sharing a Google Doc, easy way to just kind of track how each day is progressing. Having somebody that's great at note-taking is also a huge benefit um, yeah. to the process. So at this point, we've fully converged on the idea. Um, we built a prototype. 
Talk us through the last day. How do you make that fifth so, day as successful as possible? Even before you get to the prototyping, at this point, say if you've got seven people in the room, you have to start designating tasks. Right. So yeah. the end result is you need, what you want is some feedback on an idea that you have. So how do I gather the correct feedback? Uh, when you're doing a usability study, you need to have like a script of questions that you're going to ask. That's the same for everybody. Uh, so someone needs to create the script based on the prototype that you're creating. And so that prototype becomes set in stone, unless something drastic changes where you realize actually we need to pivot. But ideally you do that before the fifth day. Uh, someone's going to work on the mocks. Someone's going to be working on finding the, in the interviewees. Preferably you've done that already. Uh, and it's basically getting the plan and everything else sorted. So you should, everyone should be delegated rather than two people sitting in front of a laptop working on a prototype and everyone sitting back doing nothing. Um, and for the fifth day is basically the usability study. Now, Harvard University has a collection of questions that you can ask, which is really, really good to follow. Worth iterating on, so for your own context. It's like product questions, user questions, stuff like that. I really like that their PDF that they share for free. Uh, and so the objective of a usability study is to put the person in a scenario, so you set the stage. You are about to, you're about to go on a commute and you want to buy some coffee. You've opened your app and this is what you see. Uh, and then you basically ask them, how would you buy coffee? And then you just let them do it. And then if they do it successful, tick, that works great. Then afterwards you might do follow-up questions of what did you like? What did you dislike? If you had a magic wand and could ask for anything, what would that thing be? Again, it's like that's free flowing conversation to try and tease out stuff. Uh, one technique I always say, uh, uh, solicitors and lawyers do this in court is when you ask a question, uh, take a deep breath and wait, count five seconds in your head because people feel silence. That's why solicitors and lawyers do that in court, because you implicate yourself. <laughs> That's a tip. <laughs> if you're ever going to court, uh, when if they go quiet, then you go quiet as well. Uh, but people feel silence, and it's in those moments where you can get the real pain point that you're getting at for them. So that's why you should never interrupt. 75% of the conversation should be coming from them. Yeah. And so after that, then obviously someone has to consolidate the data. So you have one person writing notes, one person is building the rapport with the user in the interview because you don't want to be writing and asking questions because you lose sight of stuff. Maybe another person to observe the actual usability study, like just to take notes, see how they're behaving. And then the rest of the team is observing from a separate room. Like, so if you're screen sharing the thing and then five users is usually sufficient. Uh, how do you get the name. users to show up? That's incentives. Maybe uh, is one thing, I suppose, if you pay people um, or, you know, there's that there's sites that do that, right? Like that you could like post. I've I seen users, user zoom can do stuff like that, especially for remote working. Yeah. Uh, Usertesting.com. Yeah. I think usertesting.com well. is one I've used in the past. One of the challenges with those sites, those the users may be generic. So if the flow is coffee ordering, that may be fine. But if it's for a very specific use case, like um, ordering medical equipment in a hospital, then ideally you need people who would <laughs> do, do that, that on a regular trying... basis. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just trying to think of something very specific. So, um, you really need the real people. Otherwise the feedback you might get back is not necessarily genuine. And so, um, I've forgotten his name. He basically, uh, it'll come to me after the, the recording's finished. He, he basically came up with the concept of the user persona. He used to work at Microsoft. I think he invented Pascal. <laughs> Anyways, uh, he had this idea that you always bring in seven because two won't show up 
No, one might show up. One would be completely useless, and the other five guarantees that you have data. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's like you know, it's that usability studies is not like a design sprint thing. It they've existed forever. Um, so seven people is probably a good number just for on the safe side. Then after you've done them, if there's something that's come up twice or three times, you may want to pivot the prototype. Say, okay, we've learned something. We need to improve on it just to make sure that the following interviewees um, get something valuable out of it. And then once you have your data, uh, it's either successful or a failure. And so that will give you enough information to go forward. Maybe you need to run another sprint that focus on that. Maybe you need to create a new prototype based on that feedback and do another round of, of um, usability studies or usability tests. But that basically puts you on track to creating something and gives you a clear idea if the thing that you're trying to create is actually useful or not. Now, a design sprint will help you understand the idea that you have in mind. What it won't do is necessarily allow you to come up with that eureka moment uh, where you realize that there's a huge pain point in people's lives. Ideally, you might do some kind of user research way before then that you present at the lightning talk. Uh, so, for example, I mean, I've given this McDonald's example before, but, you know, McDonald's trying to sell more milkshakes. They asked people, they said, make it sweeter, cold or whatever. They made it. Milkshakes didn't sell. Uh, it's just the same. So then they hired a consultant to stand outside of McDonald's for 19 hours a day, observed what people were doing. They found most milkshakes were selling, sold in the morning. And then they asked them why. And it's basically because they wanted to, to, something to consume on a commute on the way to work. And so that was the Eureka moment. You can't really get that, oh, this is what people are trying to achieve in a design sprint. You have to kind of do it beforehand. Maybe in the moment of when you're in the usability study, but in a sense, that's a bit too late. You right. want to have arrived at that kind of aha moment sooner. Um, yeah, that's spot that's on. something to really consider. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. I think that I think that summarizes all five days. A lot of loaded tips in there. Um, I'll quickly just summarize some of the big ones that uh, Jake Knapp calls out um, just to kind of bring the episode home. So focus on the big three, ask questions, write stuff down, mind the clock. These are all things that we already touched on. Uh, trust the recipe, trust the process. Um, getting commitment in advance is super important. Um, <laughs> the, the other thing is like be energetic, make sure that there's food and snacks. Those are like little more like obvious things. Uh, seriously enforce no devices is really important. Making sure that people are fully committed, laptops down, have their undivided attention. If you have people that are um, slowing the process or slightly difficult to work with, the best recommendations are always capture things and keep going. Remind them that the process will take care of a lot of their concerns. And we also, as the facilitator, you have to be direct. Um, you can pause, but don't stop. Keep the keep moving forward. Um, always be on time, even if even if when you're not. Like if you have any questions, you can always refer back to the sprint book. Um, yeah, and then the last thing is is that. I think we hit on some of the nuances here, but really it's just a time to be creative too. like really kind of giving this as an opportunity to hear other people's ideas, establish more empathy. And chances are you're going to have, you're going to have questions that still are left unanswered and that's okay. Um, the key is solving one idea or one problem and anchoring on that and being able to move forward with some key decisions. So yeah. that's that's design sprint. Basically, everything you would need to know in thirty minutes. We'll probably do a part two soon. Um, but thanks again for joining today's episode of Design Huddle. If you haven't done so, jump over to our YouTube channel. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe. 
we are steadily growing and we're looking to interview more and more people uh, through the rest of 2021 and into 2022. So if you're interested, drop us a line and we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Peace. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Design Huddle. The opinions expressed are solely our own and do not express the views or opinions of our employer.